Open your Bible again this morning to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and follow along with me as I begin reading in verse 19, Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who would genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Beloved, as we consider this passage this morning, I'm reminded that in the church, pastors have the responsibility to oversee and to shepherd the flock God has put in their charge. But in doing this, a pastor has a responsibility also to train and to delegate others to serve in ministry in different places throughout the church. They have a responsibility to train up others that can be placed in the appropriate ministry roles in the church body. And in that training and in that placing, they are looking for those that will share, as we're going to see here from the Apostle Paul, that will share their philosophy or perspective about ministry, that will share their passion for ministry, that will share their priorities for ministry. And we'll also even be sharing in the practicing of ministry. This is also what a church, a congregation, should be considering when they are looking at filling positions in the church, positions of leadership, of serving in the different areas of ministry. What we're really talking about is the profile of a model servant leader, the profile of a model servant leader. And sadly, this is missing in in far too many churches, whether they're looking for people within the church to serve in certain areas or they're looking for a, a pastor. They have the wrong profile of what it is that they are looking for. What Paul is going to lay out for us here is the types of things that we should be considering You're looking at their perspective, you're looking at their passion, their priorities, and yes, you're even to look at their practice in the ministry, whether it's looking for a pastor, a deacon, a teacher, a leader, a director, whatever area it may be in the church. Recall we just read here a moment ago the passage, I hope you notice that the Apostle Paul is needing someone that he can send to the church at Philippi. He wants to hear about their condition, but he's not able to come at this point because as you know, as we've already discussed, the Apostle Paul's in prison. He's in Rome, and he's in prison at this time, and he's waiting for the outcome of his situation, whether or not he's going to be released. And upon his release, he wants to come back to the church at Philippi because he wants to come back and serve them and see their faith growing in the Lord. 
But in the meantime, he wants to know more about what's going on with them. So he's sending, he wants to send someone there. He wants to send Timothy to them because he's looking for Timothy to come back and give him a report of what's taking place. But also, beloved, he's sending Timothy because he needs someone to represent him until he gets there. He needs someone to stand in the gap and he needs someone who fits the profile that the Apostle Paul is going to give us here of a biblical servant leader. And this is what he wants from the person he sends and we're going to see that person is Timothy. Paul is hoping to get there. He wants to be encouraged by what he hears and sees from them in verse 19. He's hoping he gets to come there shortly upon the Lord's moving and directing in his life and his situation. But until then, he wants to send a man by the name of Timothy. And so, as we look at what Paul's doing here, a thing we can learn as a church is this, is that for a church to be strong, to be united, to be a healthy church moving in the same direction, it must have those that are there serving, especially in leaderships, that are moving in the same direction because they have the same philosophy of ministry. They have the same passion for ministry. They have the same priority in ministry. And they have the same practice in ministry. Well, but you know the tragic results that can happen when, when that's not the, the case. When you have certain aspects of the church moving in one direction, the other aspect of the church moving in a totally different direction. So let's look and see what Paul lays out for us of a profile of a biblically qualified servant leader in the church. First, he is giving to them Timothy's philosophy in regards to ministry. You look at their philosophy or their perspective about ministry. Go back to verse 20 where Paul says, I have no one else of kindred spirit. That word there for kindred spirit, it speaks of, it literally means he has an equal soul with me. That if I send this man Timothy to you, it's going to be just like sending myself. He is of equal soul with me. That is, Timothy is someone who is just like me. He has the same approach to ministry. He has the same philosophy of ministry. He has the same perspective about ministry. Timothy is going to get there and he's going to say the same things that I would say. And he's going to handle things the same way that I would handle them. But this is what oftentimes why churches can struggle. Especially if a church is, you see these churches at times that are, seem to be continually hopping from a pastor to a pastor to a pastor because you have a pastor who goes in this direction who has a philosophy of ministry. Then a pastor who comes in going in that direction of a philosophy of ministry. Then a third one going in that direction. It's going all over the place. Or even within the church itself. 
people, as I say, going in different directions. And understand, beloved, where we get a common philosophy of ministry and a common perspective about ministry is from a common source, and it's God's Word. We go back and read what does God's Word say, and it expresses it to us. It reveals it to us. And this is what was the driving part for the Apostle Paul, the the ministry of the Word of God. And that is what shaped his thinking, and that is what he used to shape the thinking of Timothy so he can look and say, I have no one else of all of my disciples, of all the people that have served with me in ministry, I have no one else that has the same kindred spirit of me as this man by the name of Timothy. So I have all the confidence in the world to send him to you. So, But how did that happen? And this is a very important lesson for us to learn in the church. How did this happen? How did Paul and Timothy come to be these kindred spirits? Equal in soul. Well, beloved... Quite simply, it was through discipleship. It was through mentorship. You have to remember now, Paul and Timothy have now, at this point, when Paul's writing this letter, they have spent 10 years together in the ministry. This happened because Paul intentionally, if you remember back in Acts chapter 16, When he goes to Lystra there, he finds this young man, a disciple by the name of Timothy that is well spoken of by the people that are there. And he says, I want that young man to go with me. And he takes Timothy with him and he begins to disciple Timothy. He begins to mentor Timothy. You want to know how it is that this can happen? Take a moment with me. Go over a few books over to 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And in verse 2, when Paul is writing to Timothy, he tells him, notice what he says about him in verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2 of 2 Timothy. He says, these things which you have heard from me. So look, he's reminding Timothy here, these are the things you heard me teach, Timothy. And what you heard me teach, you teach it to these other men here as well in Ephesus where you're now pastoring and leading. So how did this happen? This happened by Paul taking Timothy with him and Timothy having the opportunity to sit there and listen and learn as Paul taught. But it wasn't just through the teaching Look over in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. In chapter 3, notice what he says in verse 10, talking about Timothy. Now you followed. What did he follow? You followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. Such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Timothy had been discipled by Paul because Timothy had followed Paul and he had followed his teachings. He had followed his conduct. He followed his actual purpose. He followed his patience, his endurance, his love, his faith, his perseverance. He followed all of it. This is how it happens, beloved. Discipleship. Paul discipled Timothy in developing leaders or just developing people to serve in different areas in the church. It requires 
discipleship, which that means it takes time. It takes effort. It takes teaching. Paul was simply following the very example that Jesus himself had practiced. You remember the apostles of Jesus, they followed him around getting to observe his life, getting to observe his ministry. They were taught by him and for three years they did this before they were ever ready to be sent out by him to represent him wherever they were to go. Beloved, these things were to take time. It takes effort. It takes labor. It takes faithful people. And when Paul did this for Timothy whereby he was teaching him and Timothy got to observe the teaching of Paul himself and got to follow him around and, and watch and observe and learn and grow and serve along with him in ministry. The result is, is that Timothy became someone who was of the same kindred spirit as Paul. In fact, let me show you something else. You want to see the fruit of this? Go over to 1 Corinthians for just a moment. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is not the only time that Paul is going to send Timothy somewhere. We'll see it again over in 1 Thessalonians, but notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, pick it up in verse 16. Therefore I exhort you, he's exhorting the, the Christians here in Corinth, be imitators of me. So he's wanting them to imitate Himself, And notice what he's going to do to help them with this. Verse 17, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul wants the church in Corinth to imitate him and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul can't be there at the time, so he says, for that reason, I'm going to send you Timothy because I know when Timothy gets there, this is my true child in the faith, and he will model and teach exactly the way I model and teach in every church that I go to. This man has a kindred spirit with me. He has the same perspective about ministry. He has the same philosophy in regards to ministry. He will teach what he will teach, how he will teach it, how he will lead, how he will pastor, all the things that he will do. He learned those from me. He will carry them out as though I was there with him. The first profile, beloved, is their philosophy, their perspective about ministry. Secondly, when you're looking at the profile of a biblically qualified servant leader, you need to also look at their passion for ministry. Their passion for ministry. If you go back to our text in Philippians chapter 2, notice what Paul says there at the end of verse 20. He says, for I have no one else of kindred spirit, but now he speaks of Timothy's passion who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. It must be someone who truly cares about people. Someone who truly cares about the condition of the people. 
their physical, their spiritual welfare, their spiritual condition. This, this word for the genuineness and care that's going on here, being, being concerned, it's the same word that Paul uses over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25 where he says we're supposed to have the same care for one another, the same concern. That idea of concern here, speaking of a burden, you have a passionate burden for others. And he's saying, look, I know I can send Timothy to you because he will have a true, genuine, sincere burden for your welfare. Again, this is not something that Timothy just came up with on his own. This is something that he had learned from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul tells us over in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28 that he carried around with him the daily pressure of the concern of all the churches. That is, he was concerned about their welfare. He was concerned about how they were doing. You even see this in the heart of Paul in verse 19 where he says, look, I'm sending Timothy to you shortly. Here's why, so that I may be encouraged what is going to encourage the heart of Paul when he learns of their condition? When he learns how well they are doing? That's what brought encouragement to him. He even told us back in chapter 1 what it was that brought him such joy was the fact that he knew that the church at Philippi was being faithful and participating in the gospel. If you want to know Paul's passion that he had given to Timothy, that Timothy had caught from him and made it his own, you can look at the joy of Paul or the fears of Paul. What, Paul, what brought Paul joy is when he heard about his churches and the churches that he was ministering to, when he heard how well they were doing and how receptive they were to him. And when you see the fears of Paul is when he would hear that they were struggling or they were fighting or they were they being pulled astray by false teaching. He was fearful at times that he had run in vain. He was fearful at times that they were being led astray from their simple devotion to Christ. This is what a passion is. In fact, just to see this, if you will, for a moment, turn over with me to... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. See here in Philippians 2, Paul says, I want to send Timothy to you because I want to get a report back about your condition. But over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we get to see the other side of the equation. That is, we get to see when Timothy actually gets back to Paul with a report about the church at Thessalonica. And you'll see it reveals Paul and Timothy's passion for the people. Verse 6, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you. In fact, you could go back, go back to verse 5. He says, For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. There you see Paul's passion. 
He's fearful that the tempters tempted them and all the labor they had done with the church at Thessalonica would have been in vain, so he needs to find out what's going on with their faith, so he sends Timothy. And now that Timothy has come to us from you, he's brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we long also to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live that you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Do you see Paul's passion? Do you see his concern for the people? And notice what he says there. He says, we, we are rendering to God praise and rejoicing. We are praying night and day earnestly that we may see your faith and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Who does that we include? It includes Timothy. See, that's why Paul knows I can send this man to you and he will have the same passion and concern for your soul and for your well-being that I will because I have seen him in action. This man will have a deep love for you and he'll have a desire to see what is lacking in your faith become complete. This was the passion the passion for ministry. Beloved, what I may say to you about that is serving and leading in the church, in ministry in the church, it must be way more than just a job to a pastor. It has to be more than just a position to a deacon or a teacher or a leader or a director or really whatever area a person serves in. It has to be more than just a position. It has to be something where they have a genuine passion and concern for the condition and the well-being of those that they are serving. And this is the profile that Paul is laying out before the church at Philippi as he's preparing to send them Timothy. He's saying, look church, here at Philippi, I'm telling you, this man shares my perspective about ministry and he shares my passion for ministry. There's a third profile aspect of this profile that Paul gives. Let's go back to Philippians 2 that is very critical and essential. And that is, you look at their priority in ministry. Their priority in ministry. Look down now, Philippians 2, verse 21 says, For they all, this is in some ways a sad testimony, but it says, But for they all seek after their own interests and not those of Christ Jesus. This is why at this time there are some men that Paul usually had with him, like Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He's already sent them out. And all he still has left there with him of those that he can send. He has no one else left around him at that time that he can send to the church at Philippi that's not going to be seeking in some sense after their own interests instead of seeking after the interest of Christ. So what is the priority in ministry? 
of a biblically qualified servant leader. It is one who their priority, their number one priority is going to be the interest of Christ Jesus. It is his kingdom. It is his people. It is his plan. It is all about him. It's all about his interests. So you think about what Paul's even taught here in the book of Philippians. It starts with your priority, our priority, first and foremost, should be the interest of Christ Jesus. But he's also talk, taught us, secondly then, our interest should be the interest of others, and then thirdly, should be our own self-interest. And this is what Paul's having even addressed where he is, if you remember. Remember he said, I've got some guys here back in chapter 1 that are preaching Jesus, but they're preaching it out of selfish motives, selfish ambitions. It's not really after the interest of Christ. We know that this was a problem in the church at Philippi that Timothy's going to, that Paul's writing to, because back in chapter 2 earlier, remember he said in verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of a mind, of mine, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't just merely look out for your own personal interest, that is your own personal interest in the ministry, but also for the interest of others. But what precedes all of that is the interest of Christ Jesus. You see, beloved, if we get these out of order, if we put the interest of others before the interest of Christ Jesus, then we move to being what we would call people pleasers. We should be people persons, but that's different than being a people pleaser. Because you notice, back in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul referred to himself and Timothy as bond servants of Christ Jesus. He referred to them as slaves of Christ Jesus. And the only way someone can really be a bond servant, a slave of Christ Jesus, is if the interest of Christ Jesus is first and foremost for them, even above the interest of others. Because remember what Paul said when he was writing to the churches of Galatia on Galatia chapter 1 verse 10. He says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. It has to start with our priority is the interest of Christ Jesus. That is first and foremost. That is the priority. So we don't want to be a self-pleaser, but we want to be a Christ-pleaser. We want to honor Christ, have His interest first. And when you think about the interest of Christ, you go back and you look at His ministry. What you see is He was always there to do the will of the Father. He was always there to do the, the will of the Father. That's why, beloved, again, when you look at the ministry of Christ, you see that 
obviously Jesus came here to seek and to serve others, right? He came here for the, the sake of others. But first and foremost for him was the interest of his father. That's why there were times in the ministry of Jesus when he would teach things and he would do miracles and he would do certain things that even though he knew it was going to upset other people, he went ahead and did it anyway. Why? Because he was looking out first and foremost for the interest of his father. That's who he was considering first. In fact, if you remember, there were times when Jesus put the interests of his father before his own family. When people came up to him at times and said, don't you know your mother, your brother, your sister, they're all out here waiting for you. And he said, well, who are they? My mother, my brother, my sisters, it's the people of God. Which he was saying, look, I have different priorities. My priority is my father, my heavenly father who sent me here. And may I say to you this morning, for your own life, do you know what Jesus' primary interest for your life is? His primary interest for your life is that you, your soul has been saved. That you know Him. That you know Christ as your Savior and Lord. Jesus is much more interested in your soul being saved than anything else going on in your life. Because he knows whatever else is going on in your life, your soul being saved has eternal consequences. So I think about that. If you're interested in the things that interest Christ, then the first thing you need to think about is your own soul. Am I in right standing with God? Do I have a saving relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Have I truly repented of my sins and put my faith in Christ? This is where it must start for each of us. And maybe for some of you here today, this is where it needs to start for you. You need to cry out to God to save you to forgive you, to cleanse you. But when we're looking for those that are be the servant leaders in the church, their priority must be the interest of Christ. Now notice something here. This is very interesting when you go back. See, Paul knew that if he sent anyone else besides Timothy that the others were going to struggle because they would be seeking in some sense their own interests and not the interest of Christ. And here's two ways that that can manifest itself. The first one I think is more obvious to us. And that is if you have those that are seeking their own personal agendas. They have their own personal agendas. And again, this is something Paul has already had to address. We know of all, some of the believers. These are true brethren, true believers in Christ. They're at Rome where Paul is. And remember what he had to say. He says, look, I have some here who are preaching Jesus out of envy and strife. They're proclaiming him out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives. They're trying to cause me distress and imprisonment. I mean, there are some people here who have their own personal agendas in the ministry. They're looking out for their own ministry agendas and not for the best of the interest of Christ or even for the interest of the whole church. That was a problem we see there in Philippians 2. 
that some were not looking out for the interests of the others in the whole church, but just for their own personal interests, their own personal ministry, wherever it is they were serving. That's all they cared about. And it didn't matter what else was going on in the church. And Paul is saying, look, you, you can't have that because that begins to bring division. And so Paul is saying here, I know when I send Timothy, Timothy's not coming there with any personal agenda except the interest of Christ Jesus. Now that one's more obvious to us, I believe. But a second way that people can be true believers but seeking after their own interest and not necessarily having the priority of the interest of Christ Jesus is not just through personal agendas but also, beloved, through personal affairs in their life. Personal affairs in life. Remember now, just think about what Paul's saying. He says, I don't have anyone else because they all seek after their own interests that I can send to you that's going to have the interest of Christ Jesus. And I find that interesting because when you go back to chapter 1, remember Paul says, there are some brethren here who are preaching Jesus and serving alongside of me that are doing it out of goodwill and out of a love for me and knowing that I've been appointed for the defense of the gospel. But yet, even out of that group, Paul says, there's only one I can send. In fact, if you look over in chapter 4, in chapter 4, in verse 21, he says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. So there is a, there is a body of believers there with Paul, where he's there in Rome, but he says, I can't send any of them except Timothy. And it's not because they would have their own personal agendas. I believe it would be because of some of their own personal affairs. That is, they couldn't give the devotion and the attention that they would need to in seeking out the interest of Christ. Let me give you an example of kind of what I'm talking about. Look with me over in 1 Corinthians for just a moment. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In this context, Paul is talking about advantages, disadvantages of being married, being single. And basically what he's encouraging here is if, if you can have the gift of singleness, then he would encourage you to remain single because of your devotion to the things of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Begin with me in verse 32. He says, But I want you to be free from concern. What kind of concern? One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say to you for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to, to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Now, Paul here is not speaking against marriage. 
In fact, if you go read through the whole chapter, you'll see, again, he says, look, and he even goes on after that, if, if you don't have the gift of singleness and you have this burning passion desire, you, you should get married. Okay? But what he's saying here is, notice, and he's not saying it's wrong, he's not saying it's wrong for a husband here to have a concern for his wife and wanting to please his wife, and you could even add into that his children and his family. He's not saying that's wrong. And he's not saying it's wrong for a wife to have a concern and a burden and an interest in her husband and pleasing her husband and her children as well. He's not saying that's wrong. But he understands that the difference between someone who's in that situation and someone who is, is single is that whether it's a man or a woman, those persons in those situations can have undistracted devotion to the Lord and the things of the Lord. That's why, beloved, for those who are Single you can be some of the greatest servants for the Lord in the church. And this is what I think part of what can have been going on and why it was only Timothy because it seems to indicate Timothy was a single man. Timothy didn't have the burdens and the concerns of a family. He didn't have the concerns of a wife. So Timothy could give undistracted distracted devotion to the things of the Lord. And so Paul knew when he sent Timothy, Timothy was coming there and he wasn't having to be worried about what was going on back with his home or with his family. Timothy didn't have to worry about any of that. He knew that when he sent Timothy there, Timothy was going to be just like Paul that he was going to be free to stay there as long as he needed to stay there and to do whatever it is he needed to do. Beloved, it is a lot easier even for a man in Timothy's position or in Paul's position to stand there and do all the things that would be called to do knowing they don't have others they have to support. He knows that Timothy can show up there and just have the interest of Christ Jesus and have no other distractions. It's interesting, I think, when you look at the Apostle Peter. Apostle Peter was a, was a wonderful servant of the Lord, was really the leader of the apostles, the one who took the lead there on the day of Pentecost. And you see him moving throughout the first half of the book of Acts. It's Peter, and then it eventually moves on to Paul. But there was a difference between Peter and Paul. Paul was a single man. Peter was a married man. And Peter didn't seem to drift off as far and go traveling as much as Paul did. It's because I believe Peter would have had those concerns, and rightfully so, and some of the things that he had to consider in regards to the ministry. So, beloved, what God is wanting us to understand here as we look at and think about this is that ultimately the priority, the priority in ministry is to be the interest of Christ. Let's look at one last thing and then we'll close. Let's go back to Philippians 2. And this is very important as well. You consider, when you're looking at the profile of a biblically qualified servant leader, you're, you're looking at their perspective or their philosophy in ministry. You're looking at their passion. You're looking at their priority. But fourthly, you do need to look at their practice in ministry. Their practice in ministry. Go now to verse 22. Paul says to the church at Philippi, but you know, you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. 
He's saying, you know about Timothy, just as I know about Timothy, because you saw him in action. You see, when Paul showed up there in the province of Philippi and he preached the gospel and Lydia got saved and others got saved and a church got started there, remember, Timothy was with him. And Timothy was serving right alongside of Paul, preaching the gospel, furthering the gospel there at Philippi. So he says, look, you know his proven worth. You've seen it with your own eyes. And this is very important. When you're looking at those that you're going to be placing in a position of, of leadership, again, whether it be a pastor, a deacon, a teacher, a director, a leader, or some service, some place, what is it that you have seen out of their life? What is it that you know about them? Have they demonstrated their proven worth? Because you've seen it. That's why when we talk about, uh, especially when we're looking at uh, deacons and someone becoming a deacon, there's supposed to be a testing of that. Why? To observe their life. To look and see, is this a man that, that has shown this in their life? In fact, if you want to know what did the people see when they saw Timothy serving alongside of Paul, well, let me just remind you, you don't need to turn there, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, this is what they saw. Because he talks about we here, and again, he's bringing Timothy into the equation. Timothy is a part of this. This is what he said to the church at Thessalonica. He said, We prove to be gentle among you, we, that is Paul and Timothy, as nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond of an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor, our hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Notice what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, this is to the church at Thessalonica. He was saying, look, when we were there, that is, when I was there and Timothy was there with me, this is what we were doing. We were imparting our lives to you. We were exhorting you, encouraging you, strengthening you. We were gentle among you. We were tenderly caring for you. We were living our life in such a devout, upright, blameless way and how we behave towards all of you. This is what the church at Philippi had seen with their own eyes and heard with their own ears from the life of Timothy. Paul was saying, look, you can go back and examine his practice in ministry. And what they would have seen, as Paul says back in Philippians 2, what is it that they would have been looking for? They would know. They would know that this is a man who is seasoned in the ministry. This is a man who has experience because as Paul says, he served with me right alongside of me in the furtherance of the gospel. You saw Timothy with me here in your community on the front lines proclaiming the gospel. You saw Timothy here with me on the front lines of shepherding and loving the people that God had saved. You saw this. You look for their seasoning in the ministry and then secondly, you look for their submission in the ministry. 
Because notice what he says and how he describes it. He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. They saw that Timothy was a man that was willing to be in submission. And beloved, that is critical. As you look at people as they're moving uh, in different places in ministry and becoming... uh, greater in ministry and and more responsibility. You look at their life where they are right now. If they have the responsibility to mop the floor, how well do they mop the floor and are they submissive in how they do it? That's why I remember when Paul told Timothy over in 2 Timothy 2, he told him, the things that you heard from me, he says now, entrust these to faithful men. People who have demonstrated they're faithful their faithfulness. Timothy had done all these things. And this was the profile of a faithful, biblical servant leader. So you say, how should I respond to this? Well, first, examine your own heart. Examine your own life and ask yourself, do I fit the profile? You should want to, Because you're just really talking about a servant leader, a servant in the church. Examine your own perspective about ministry. Is it driven from the Word of God? Your own philosophy about ministry, is it taken from God's Word? Think about your own passion for ministry. Whatever it is you serve, whatever it is that you do, are you passionate? Do you have the same profile that we see of Timothy that you have a genuine concern for the welfare of those that you serve? And how about your priority? Is your priority and your serving, is it the interest of Christ Jesus? And has your practice, have you shown yourself faithful? Are you showing yourself faithful? That's the first way I would encourage you to take this message and apply it to your own heart. Apply it to my own heart, my own life. But secondly, beloved, you should take this and applying it when, when we as a church have to look for those that are to be serving in different areas of our church. Whether again it's directors, teachers, deacons, whatever it may be. This is the profile. This is what you, you, you look through. This is how you consider this together as a church and trust God to work that out when we trust Him and His Word. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.